0: Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studios in Atlanta, it's time for On The Money. Presented by Embassy National
1: Bank. Now, here's your host, Joe Moss. Hi everybody, this is Joe Moss and welcome to another edition of On The Money, brought to you by Embassy National Bank and broadcasting from the beautiful uh, studios of Subaru of Gwinnett, Atlanta. So... Um, Welcome today. We've got a good show. As you know, the show is uh, catered to helping small business people do better. And um, uh, we have Peter Hildebrandt with us today. And he is the uh, Gwinnett County Coordinator of SCORE, uh, which is a uh, nonprofit association that helps small businesses get off the ground and grow and achieve goals through education and mentorship. So, Peter, welcome today. Thank you very much. It's good to we're, be here. We're gonna, I'm going to try to pick your brain on behalf of all the small businesses out there and, and um, get a flavor for what you do for folks and how you can help them.
0: Good. Looking forward to it.
1: Before we go there, though, I want you to introduce SCORE, and then I'd like to talk to you, and I'd like for you to talk about uh, your skill set and how you got involved with SCORE. Sure. Well, so
0: SCORE is an organization which has uh, around 14,000 mentors nationwide. And we're there to help small business, whether you just have an idea for a business or whether you have a business that is uh, been in existence for 10 years and you're looking to, to do something different with it, uh, we can help. And uh, the mentors that we have around the country are all either seasoned executives uh, who have been in, you know, kind of C-level Fortune 500 businesses, uh, or they've started and run their own small businesses, or they've done both. And uh, so these are people who have tremendous experience, and they want to give back to the community. So these are uh, people who are are all volunteers. Uh, Of course, we obviously have some staff that that keeps the whole thing running, Uh, and we're funded out of the federal government. We're actually a line item on Congress's budget. Wow. Um, Yeah, we've been around for over 50 years, and uh, it started as uh, an outgrowth of the Small Business Administration and has since... uh, been on its own for, for, for many years. And obviously, the Small Business Administration is part of our, uh, our family of uh, people that we work with.
1: Now, um, how active are you in the uh, metro Atlanta area? Is this one of your most active areas?
0: It is one of the more active areas, uh, and we often win awards for that. Uh, we have around 100 mentors here in the Atlanta area. Uh, and even here in Gwinnett County, uh, we have 12 mentors, and that's up from just last year when we only had four in the area. So it's growing very quickly. Gwinnett County is one of the fastest growing areas for uh, SCORE within the Atlanta area as well as really nationally. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of business going on here small business and a lot of startups.
1: Right. Um, We've got uh, listeners from all over the country. So what are some of the other major metro areas that uh, SCORE is considered large in?
0: Well, we are in pretty much every major metropolitan area, uh, Chicago, L.A., uh, Houston, Dallas, um, obviously New York City. Uh, We're in just about every major metropolitan area in the United States.
1: What about some of the semi-large ones, say like Orlando, Jacksonville, uh yes. birmingham charlotte you
0: name it uh, the fact of the matter is that uh, there's a score outpost in just about every city in the united states you know the, the any any cities that's a reasonable size has a score mentor and there's
1: usually one within driving distance if you're not okay one more thing about qualification because i think this is a great organization i'm familiar with you guys and uh you have score certified mentor on your business card so obviously you you got you have to do more than just stay at a holiday inn f- the, for the previous night to be a mentor, correct? Uh,
0: that's right, yeah. Uh, yeah, we have a process, uh, an onboarding process with our mentors. Uh, the mentors have to go through. It's about a 90-day process, uh, which includes having to do some coursework. Uh, and it's really more, it's less about information and more about making sure that you're responsive to the clients that come in every day. So uh, a lot of it's about listening uh, and making sure that you hear the issues that the client's bringing to you and can respond accordingly to that. So, um, you know, it's it's basically good listening techniques and being able to respond. Um, in in addition, uh, they also have to go and co-mentor with other mentors uh, for some period of time. And in until the mentors that they're co-mentoring with are comfortable with them going out on their own, uh, they're going to have to have somebody with them at, at at every point. So it really is it's uh, it's handed down from mentor to mentor about how this process works. Uh, And we make sure that we keep the quality of the mentors up by having everybody basically check their work as they go.
1: Well, um, yes, last week we did a a big show on the whole concept of mentoring. So this fits in real well. And uh, we determined last week that mentoring is probably the oldest method of teaching that's ever been here on earth. And one could argue probably the best, the most effective Uh, way to learn is through a mentoring process Mm -hmm. yeah I
0: would agree with that
1: okay um all right tell us about you give us an idea of uh, how you got to be a mentor well so uh,
0: my background I've actually over my career started a number of small businesses uh, and so far sold most or all of them I'd have to think about that uh, because I like starting them and I don't particularly like running them (laughs) But uh, one of the one of those businesses I sold off to a company that that uh, is named Steelcase, which uh, is a big office furniture company, uh, and I ran research and development for a division of Steelcase for about thirteen years, uh, and decided to go back into the consulting practice uh, and basically uh, start another business of my own on the side, and it, thought it was time to give back to the community. So I had reached a point uh, I had known about Score for probably 20 years and, and reached a point in my own personal career where I thought it was time to, to take a little bit of that time, carve it out to volunteer and, and help some other people.
1: And I think that's key because the people that, uh, the the mentors are not paid for what they do.
0: We are not. And uh, that's an amazing thing about it because uh, it's actually, I think it's one of the one of the nice things about it is that you know that that person who you're mentoring with is there because they want to be there, right.
1: not because they feel like they have to be there. Yeah. Yeah, How many hours a week do you put into this? Well,
0: most of our mentors put three hours a week in, uh, three to four hours a week in terms of actual office time where you're sitting down with, with people. And we usually have one-hour sessions. Um, uh, you can, of course, contribute more hours. You can, you can do uh, you know, speaking to try to get people involved in SCORE. We have a number of workshops. Uh, that are also taught by mentors uh, in all sorts of topics ranging from how do you create a business plan to how do you uh, deal with quickbooks to how do you do accounting for non-accountants legal issues all of those things and uh, most of those workshops are either free uh, or they're just a small amount of money to be able to cover costs like 50 bucks Uh, so our mentors you know will will do that in the evenings and many of our mentors will do that
1: okay um all right, we're going to get into your head a little bit here, and um, I think we've qualified SCORE as a really valuable resource, um, and we'll talk about how I get in touch with you later on. But um, let's get into um, in your head a little bit about what you've seen in your years in SCORE. Um, let's start with um, – let's give us an idea of, say, the top three mistakes that you see made – uh by someone wanting to start a business or new into the business
0: well sure Um, i would say probably the number one is just a lack of planning uh, not planning ahead Uh, you know we talk a lot about creating business plans as a way to to get information about how your business is going to run and business plans uh, i think there's a misconception out there that business plans are uh, for somebody else that you're going to take it to your banker which you may have to do Uh, that you're going to have to present it to somebody. The reality is that a business plan is really for you. And uh, in the business plan, there are all sorts of things that we do to, to help ourselves understand whether this business will be successful or not, like understanding our competition, like trying to understand what the startup expenses are, like making sure that we have enough money in the bank. And that brings me to number two. Right. (laughs) Which is not having enough money before you decide to start your business. And, uh, you know, we'll have people that come in and say, you know, I just quit my job uh, and I'm thinking about starting a business because I need some income. And, you know, our response is always, well, you know, um, maybe you should go find a job so that you can have some money so that you can start your business. Because the reality is that businesses take a couple of years, two to three years before you really can start to be able to pay yourself uh, in, in a good startup business. Unless you're out there and you've got tremendous venture capital coming in, you know, investing in the business and they want to pay you a salary right off the bat, chances are that you're going to need to have some form of income while you're starting your business. Um, and I would say the third thing is just really understanding the market well and understanding whether there is uh, a potential for this product or service that you're going to offer. So, for instance, um, uh, you know, I've seen people that want to start businesses where they're going in directly head-on with some very well-established businesses. uh, And you know, they may have the best idea in the world, but if there are a lot of people out there that are competing in that exact same space, it's going to be a very, very tough go for them to go up against one of these big companies that has a huge marketing budget. So uh, business plans, you're making sure that you plan ahead of time. It doesn't have to be a written business plan. I've started many businesses without having a written business plan, but I've done all the work that's in a business plan, having enough money to be able to get your business off the ground and really understanding your market.
1: Um, Talk a little bit about uh, starting your own business versus buying an existing business. Do you help people with that decision? We do.
0: Yeah, it's... um, It's actually a fairly common question and it depends a lot on the person. So there are some people that really like creating something out of nothing and they're very good at it. They have a great creative uh, streak in them. They know how to take an idea and turn it into an implementation. Um, But there are a lot of people that want to start a business and they may not uh, have the willingness or the time to do some of those things and they'd like to have the business kind of prepackaged and handed to them. Uh, So in that case, there are a couple of ways you can do it. One is to find an existing business and just buy it uh, if you can find somebody that's willing to sell it to you. Uh, Another thing that you can do is get a franchise. And uh, uh, franchises are a great way to go if you're, you know, one of these people that likes having everything done for you, um, spelled out for you, that you're somebody that really likes to just run something, take an existing system and run with it. Um, And one of the things that you can do with a franchise Uh, is there are a number of people uh, around the country that provide a franchise brokerage service. Now, the way that works is if you want to start a franchise, you can go to them. uh, You can have a uh, conversation with them about what your goals are. You know, what size of business do you want to do restaurant? Do you want to do retail? Do you want to do service providing? And they will match you up with a franchise or that uh, meets your requirements. And then they get paid by the franchisor uh, to place you. So you don't have to pay them anything, but of course you have to pay the franchisor in order sure, to buy a-
1: Sure, sure, sure. Uh, you're listening to Peter Hildebrandt. This is On The Money, uh, brought to you by Embassy National Bank and broadcasting from the Subaru of Gwinnett, Atlanta, brand new studios. Uh, this is Joe Moss, your um, moderator. Peter Hildebrandt uh, is with SCORE and we're getting in his head a little bit about uh, what he suggests to small businesses when they come in for advisory assistance. Um, and you're talking about franchising. Let me let me change it just a little bit. Do you help people? Uh, do you advise people to buy business they know nothing about? No, of course not. Yeah. Um, and, it, do you, uh, for example, is it a recipe for disaster if they decide, you know, I've always wanted to go into this and therefore I'm going to go buy this business and I'll learn from it?
0: Well, I I wouldn't say it's a recipe for disaster, but you do have a long road ahead of you to learn. Um, so, for instance, uh, when people come to us with a concept where they'd like to, bu- to either buy into an existing business or even start a business in an area that they know nothing about, our first advice is why don't you go out and work in a similar business for a while? And you can, it's a great way to learn all the information about your competitors about how to run one of those businesses and take great notes while you're doing it. Yes, you may not make as much money that way for some period of time, but what you will be gaining is the knowledge about how those businesses work. Um, and, you know, in fact, we have people who come in to, to my office and say that they want, to, uh, you know, they want to figure out how they go about researching the market for their business and the first advice that I would give them is, go find your com- potential competitors and go talk to them. And mm-hmm. they're like, well, I can't talk to my competitors. They'll, they'll know who I am. And it's like, of course they don't know who you are. Um, and a lot of people, you know, if, if you meet somebody and you get them talking about their kids, the first thing they want to do is show you pictures of their kids. Sure. Right? Right. And nobody wants to see pictures of my kids, but they want to show me that. Right. So. so, So what you can do is if you can get people talking about their businesses, if you want to open a pastry shop, go into a local pastry shop and say, hey, how is it running a business? What's the climate like here? You know, how do you decide which things to bake? What are your best sellers? People will tell you all of this stuff. And, you know, you don't have to lie and say, you know, say, well, I'm not starting a business. I mean, you know, I wouldn't right. even go there. I would just start asking questions. and People would love to share that information. I
1: find that, too. Absolutely. Very few people will be reluctant. Um, and, in fact, we had a show and talked about some of the number one uh, mistakes that people make. And um, uh, one is uh, when you're, you know, you're, you're just retired. you got your 401K. Uh you ready to uh I'm going to start a business and you decide. I th- always wanted to be in the restaurant business. So, without ever having worked in the restaurant business, you venture out from your corporate job and open up a restaurant. Um uh, we had uh, the gentleman that o- that uh owns the arena. Uh he and his family or uh have been in the restaurant business forever and he gave us some real good advice about what to do there. Um Another uh, example is uh, we had someone who decided, I love kids, and I'm going to go buy a daycare. And uh, boom, were they ever surprised. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: and, and it's a, it is a common thing. I mean, you know, if, you've, if you're a good cook and you think, hey, I can share my, my cooking with other people, I'll open a restaurant. But the, the leap between doing, some, doing the thing, which is the cooking, and having a business that does the thing is, is is dramatic. And so there is, there really is a lot of learning about all of the things that have to do with, with uh, operating a business, making it legal, making sure. I mean, for instance, you know, if I'm cooking in my house, I don't have to worry about a grease trap. Right. And, you know, we have people that— Or the
1: health inspector coming in every day.
0: <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, and, you know, knowing how many people you can put into your restaurant. You know, what will the fire inspector say? Uh, these are all things that you have to work through and you'll have to learn in order to start your business. Now, you know, do you have to know everything before you start your business? Of course not. If that were the case, you'd never start a new business. Uh, and, of course, we all learn through the school of hard knocks. I, you know, I'm still learning. I'm on probably my seventh business. Uh, and there's a lot of stuff I just don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Well, isn't that part of the journey is to continue to learn new things? That's, That's probably plug, one huh? of the advice you give to people is always keep your eyes open so you can learn new stuff.
0: Yeah, and listen, I mean, uh, this is the other thing that, that I think people forget is to listen to their customers. So um, There's I, that word yeah. again, Mike, the
1: customer.
0: <laughs> the customer. Uh, so, you know, I'll, I'll give an example personally. So I own a business right now that makes uh, music stand lights for professional musicians. It's okay. called Aria Lights. And we've been in business for a little over four years. Uh, and uh, in the early days, I said, okay, well, what we're gonna do is we're gonna make these music stand lights for freelance musicians, people that go to gigs and they wanna carry these things and set them up and so forth. So we started all of our marketing towards freelance musicians. And uh, uh, along one day, I got this, this uh, email from the Toronto Symphony and they said, hey, we're interested in buying some of your music stand lights. And I went, uh, okay. And they said, we'll take 100. And I was <laughs> like, oh, okay. So I, we you know, can do that. Yeah, we can do that. So, you know, we shipped them off to, to them. And, and I'm sitting there going, Toronto Symphony, why would they be? And then the next week, or maybe it was the next month, I got a call from the Boston Pops. And they said, we want to get some music stand lights. And I'm going, okay. Okay. And, you know, duh. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. So, what I did is I, I had the right product and I had, you know, I had everything figured out, but the market, I had completely missed the professional. Who to sell it to? Who to sell it to the professional orchestra market. And so, uh, after I listened long enough to these people, say that they wanted to use my product, I actually went and started advertising towards those markets. And lo and behold, it was a gold mine for me. And mm-hmm. and now we have just about every major symphony orchestra in the US. And we did that because the customers came to us and, and said that they had a use for this product. So whether it's the customers that are coming to you trying to buy something, or whether somebody's saying, hey, you know, your food's great, but you know, if you only had this, right? Um, that stuff is gold in your business, so you got to keep your ears open all the time.
1: Well, and that's uh, a mistake that a lot of people make is they spend too much time on the computer, um, they spend too much time on the computer behind the business, uh, you know, and the operational part, and uh, don't spend time out front and just talking with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, bankers are notoriously uh, bad about that um, you know we we sit behind the desk and uh, we don't get out and learn new stuff learn new markets uh, talk about what the, the next need might be and just really get to know the customer
0: yeah well it's safe you know safe in front of a computer but uh, um, and I will say that this is this issue is not uh, unique to small businesses uh, you know, I've worked with a lot of large businesses where the, the hardest thing to do when I was running research and development, the hardest thing to do is to get my engineers to leave the building, mm-hmm. you know, to go spend some time with the customers. And, uh, and once you do that, amazing things happen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: Well, um, yeah, I agree. I had a, a very good friend whose father was, uh, a very successful businessman and he had a sign on his desk that said, uh, Uh, You can't sell steel sitting on your keister. Um, (laughs) And he gave that to every salesperson, but it also goes for just about anybody. Um, Get out there and learn what the market's telling you. Yeah, very much. Very much. Um, We're talking to Peter um, Hildebrandt. Uh, He's from SCORE, which is a uh, um, business advisory group that's uh, funded through um, SBA, among other people. And he's given us kind of a behind-the-scenes um, low down on some of the mistakes and uh, recommendations that he makes to small business people and um, it, uh, the show here is uh, brought to you by embassy national bank and um, um, uh, so far a very very helpful conversation um, Peter uh, we talk a little bit about mistakes what are some of the uh, I guess you'll have to come up with three recommendations other than the mistakes, but give me an idea of some of the things that you like to uh, promote to somebody.
0: Well, so, uh, you know, talking about marketing, because that's one of the areas that a lot of people come to us and say, look, um, I've got my business going or I'm thinking about starting my business, but I have no idea how to reach my customers. Uh, and uh, and I think the, the way that... Uh, it, what, what, what you need to do in order to come up with a good marketing strategy, there are two things that you need to do. First of all, you need to figure out who your target market is. So who are you positioning your product or your service towards? So who is actually
1: buying or who are you
0: targeting to? Well, potentially those are going to be the same, okay. right? So uh, you want it to be the same because you want the people who buy it to be the people that you're going after. Um, and you need to be, get very specific. I would get it down to a single person. So, you know, it's, uh, and you can even have a persona for this. So you can say, you know, Sue is 37 years old. She shops at Whole Foods. Uh, she has two kids. Uh, she drives a minivan and she goes to soccer games for her, for her younger son, right? Um, and if that's your ideal target audience, that doesn't mean you can't sell to, to men and you can't, it doesn't mean you can't sell to 45 year olds and that doesn't mean you can't sell to people that don't have kids. But understanding that as your target market, that's kind of the, should be the peak of the, the, the group of people that you're trying to reach. Um, and then the other thing that you need to do is you need to come up with what makes you unique, okay? Mm-hmm. So why is your business different than everybody else's business that's in a similar area? And uh, so for instance, um, if you have a business that does business cards uh, well, there are a lot of people that make business cards. A ton. Right? Right. So why should I use your service rather than somebody else's? Is it because you deliver them faster? Uh, is it because you use high-quality paper? Is it because you're cheaper? Uh, is it because, uh, I don't know, you, you do Im- foil embossing or something? Uh, and so you have to figure out what, what sets you apart from everybody else in your industry. So if you do these two things, if you do the who your target market is and you do what makes you unique that gives you the key information that you need to do your marketing and here's how so the target market tells you who it tells you where you're going to advertise so for instance I was using this example of Sue. Well, before we yeah, go, go before ahead. we go there
1: mm-hmm. um, what if you think your target market is X mm-hmm. and you do digging and find out your market is really Y? Um, so it sounds to me like you got to figure out exactly who are your customers before you figure out your target market. Is that fair? Well, yeah. And again, or is that just a learning process? In other words, you, there's a, then you have two markets you can go after.
0: You could be. So, so yes. And there may be in some situations that you may have two target markets. For instance, you may be going after B2B people. You may be selling to to distributors mm-hmm. uh, and you may be selling to end customers, for instance, and those are two different target markets and they have different needs. The distributor wants to, to have a high margins on your products and they want to have something that they know is going to inventory well and all of those things. Um, whereas your end customer may be interested in getting high quality and they may be interested in fast delivery and, and those sorts of things. So you can have two target markets. Um, probably much more than that, and uh, then you probably need to narrow it down. Mm-hmm. But to your, to your question, your question was, what happens if you start with one target market, right? and then you realize that that's actually not it, that your customers are coming from somewhere else? Well, you adjust it. And so there's nothing wrong. This is one of those things where you have to listen to the market, what it's telling you. And if the market is telling you that your target market is somewhere else, then you need to set your sights like I did with the music stand light business. Uh, you need to change that, but um, before you start your business, you have to ha- you should have a pretty good idea where you're starting or who you're going after. So uh, I tell the story about my wife. She's a writing coach and okay. she helps people with, uh, well, their writing. Right. So <laughs> yeah, I know. So we're sitting across the table now. Um, she
1: would call herself probably a copywriter, correct? Or well,
0: a, no, and and a writing know, coach. A writing coach. She just helps people. You know. Do a better job of her because yeah. we had
1: a show about that and how writing skills yeah. have just tanked.
0: <laughs> it's true. Yeah, don't get me started on that. Okay. <laughs>
1: and uh, and so
0: one day we're sitting across the, the table from each other and uh, she says, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm thinking about taking out an advertisement." And I said, "Oh, okay, great. So, uh, who's your target market?" And she said, "Oh, you know, anybody. I can help anybody with their writing." And I said, "Okay." perfect. Then we know exactly where to advertise. We're going to take out a Super Bowl ad. And she's, she's like, yeah, yeah, right. We're going to take out a Super Bowl ad. That's very funny. And I said, no, no, think about it. Think about it. You want to reach everybody because you, you serve everybody. Well, Super Bowl's great. You reach young people and old people. You reach people that are sports fanatics. You reach people that are that are you, men and women, you, you, you know, and so forth. And you cover the whole United States, you know, you may cover internationally because they could be located anywhere, right? So, so she said, yeah, right, right. So, so that's like a million dollars. There's no way we can afford to do that. Mm-hmm. And I said, so, well, let's think a little bit about your target market. So we worked on it and she, I said, do you like helping men? And she says, no, I don't really like helping men with writing. I said, "Okay, all right. Well, what about like kids? Do you are you good with kids and, you know, no, I don't I, I don't like working with kids." Right. Okay, right? So eventually we whittled it down and her target market was, you know, middle-aged women writers between 40 and 44 years old who were writing a novel for the first time right? bingo there you go right, right. So, so that's a really good target market and the nice thing about having that is now she can advertise in middle aged women writer magazine right and right. she can spend a hundred dollars versus a million dollars to get the word out and I guarantee you she's gonna get more clients from that than she will from the Super Bowl right
1: um, is marketing advertising
0: uh, well, advertising is a part of marketing. But... There you go. Uh, <laughs> that was a kind of
1: a, one of those softball questions. That was a... I mean, you, you grabbed it. Oh, Good deal. Glad, Smacked uh, it out of the park. Glad I answered that one right. <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, and actually, that's a, that is a common misconception, right? Uh, uh, marketing is everything about how you present your brand. It's mm-hmm. about you know, how, do, how does your website look. Who your
1: customers are.
0: Who your customers are, what kind of a suit you wear when you go to talk to people. Uh, it's about the look of your car. It's about your stationery, your business card. All of that is marketing, and it's about getting the word out. So, um, you know, it's how do you create an image for your business? That's mm-hmm. really what marketing is. And uh, so, yeah, just because we're talking here about where we advertise, uh, but that the target market still applies to all of that as well. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, in my wife's example, now that she knows uh, who she is, she has a, a tagline on the bottom of her stationery that says, "You know, words of passion, helping women write from the heart," and that way people understand very quickly. You know, oh, this is for me. Now, does that mean that she can't take on male clients? No. Uh, and in fact, the other day, she she this is a true story. She she got an invoice back from one of her clients, who's this uh, this preacher. He's a gay preacher, and. He had uh he had taken her tagline and he had he had modified it and so he modified it to say helping women and one male gay preacher right from the heart.
1: <laughs> well, if you're thinking about it, if you're a guy and you wanna write for uh, a target market of, of of women, who better to get you to uh who better to coach you than someone who's focused on that area? There you go. So I guess you'd have to be a clever male to figure that out because most of us are kind of hard headed. But anyway, um, I wanted to uh, I want to talk to you. We mentioned before the show, you mentioned one thing I didn't you didn't know that I heard it, but I did. And you said something about focus groups. Yeah. And um, tell me about focus groups. Uh, You do them. And uh, do you do them? Are they helpful? Uh, What size of business are they helpful for? Why don't you talk about those a little bit?
0: Yeah, so I, I in, in a former life, and and uh, I still provide, uh, I help people by consulting with them about how to do things like customer research, which includes focus groups. Um, focus groups are, are, are a great way to learn more about your customers. Um, they're very helpful to get a flavor for things. Uh, if you're looking for specifics, it's probably the wrong way to do it. Um, but if you want to get an idea about how people are feeling about things, what you do is you get a group of 10 to 20 people together into a room, and you start asking them questions. Uh, and you get them to discuss these things as a larger group. And uh, uh, So, you know, it's not yeah. a lot
1: of specificity then. It's its more of a
0: – Well, you can be very specific, but but what you should be looking for – what you're looking for are trends, and you're looking for, for – things that are kind of um, uh, touch points where people get excited about things. And uh, so it's more about uh, how they react than what they say sometimes.
1: Uh, How uh, do you assemble the focus group?
0: Yeah, so uh, if you're a small business owner, uh, you can do it by – coordinating with friends and family or putting a word out on an email list and saying, we're looking for some people that, that have these particular requirements. Oh, okay. uh, as you get start to get a little bigger in business, there are professionals that do that sort of stuff for you, and they're very good at it. So if you, you give them what's known as a screener, uh, which is basically a sheet of paper that lists all the different kind of attributes that you'd like to have for the focus group. So, for instance, uh, I used to work for a business that made educational products that worked in classrooms. So we were looking for teachers that were of a certain age group that had been teaching a certain number of years uh, and that were not affiliated with any kind of a marketing company, say. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you just hand them this list, and a week or two later they come back and they say, we've got 15 people lined up, and they're going to be showing up on such and such a time. Uh, generally what you want to do is you want to pay people a little bit of money to be able to sit in a focus group because it's their time. And you want to make sure that they're compensated for that. You know, 50 or $75 is usually what it, what it is. Mm-hmm. Now, as a small business owner, that's a chunk of change. It's also a marketing tool, isn't it? Uh, it can be a marketing tool, but really it's a— uh, it Do you play.
1: want to do it blind, or should you do it blind, or can you—, uh... you, you
0: we, have, we have used it for that. For instance, um, um, thinking on the educational side, uh, there's a conference— of school superintendents that where they come together to do focus groups. And they actually get paid to sit in these focus mm-hmm. groups. It's a neat organization. It's called ERDI. And um, so our company uh, actually paid to have people, these school superintendents, sit in these focus groups where we would, half the time we'd be asking them questions, but we'd also be working on them to try to convince them that our products were something they should bring into their schools. Because school superintendents are a group of people that, frankly you don't get access to you know they don't talk to vendors so this was a huge opportunity to to be able to do that but again that that tends to be in larger businesses mm-hmm. um, but you can do little little focus groups you can get a bunch of people together and ask them questions and be prepared to have a surprising answer so don't try to convince them of something you have to be very uh, uh, well I'm thinking in in unbiased.
1: our in um a lot of the uh, communities we deal with, uh, they are small businesses. Their um, uh, uh, geographic footprint might be not that large. Mm-hmm. and um, But it's the kind of thing, I'm just right off the top of my head, I'm thinking, for example, a convenience store. Uh, we finance a lot of convenience stores. Some of them do very well. But I've noticed that very few of them try to figure out exactly who my customers are. Um, and what they really want out of a convenience store um, just sitting here you talk it may be a, a neat initiative for someone who runs a small hotel or someone who runs a convenience store or a, a flower shop mm-hmm. or um, a bagel shop or a, a little hamburger spot to actually go back to your customers and sit down with them and find out exactly why did you come here and what are you looking for when you go to get gas? Are you looking for price? You're looking for quality? You're looking for product inside? What are you looking for? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And and there are many ways
0: to get to those answers. And and uh, you know we have so many opportunities as small business owners to find that information out, but we forget because somebody comes into a convenience store and they walk back out with their Snickers bar, and we right. have no idea why they chose that. Um, But what you can do, I mean, you can do things like you can give them uh, a survey as they leave the store. You can give them an incentive. Uh, You you know, you go to fast food like Taco Bell, they'll Mm -hmm. give you at the bottom of the receipt, it'll say, you know, call this number and take our survey. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a fantastic way to get feedback. Um, And the more, frankly, the more free-form the answers are, the more information you're going to get. Now, obviously, it takes more time to to go through that stuff. But if if you've got a small store and you have, you know, 20 customers a day, that's nothing. Right. And
1: it's really valuable information. You're right. you're right on the money there. Um, we don't have a whole lot of time. I mean, this is a big subject, but I'm glad you um we talked about a couple of really good things about the uh lack of planning, lack of money. Mm-hmm. Uh you mentioned uniqueness. Mm-hmm. In today's world of everything seems to have already been invented. <laughs> um, how do you how do you get unique? Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, uh, that is a challenge. It certainly is a challenge, uh, but I, but I'm a firm believer that there are always opportunities cropping up every day uh, to be unique and set set yourself apart.
1: Service but, is a way to set yourself apart. Service is one way to do it, um, and uh,
0: another another way to do it is by. Uh, You know, you can do it with price. So you you can either be price or you can be somebody who delivers, you know, premium service. But you can't be both. And I think a lot of small business owners try to be both. They say, we want to be the lowest cost uh, leader and we also want to have the best service. You just can't do it. You can't afford to do it. So you have to decide. I mean, Walmart, uh, they're great for prices. They're probably not the best for customer service. And if you bring something back there... Um, well, they may It's or good may not for people it watching.
1: It's great. It's great for people watching.
0: <laughs> but I mean, if you look at somebody like Apple, they
1: ought to charge for that. By the way, you know why do you come to Walmart? I'm just here to watch the people. They ought to have a, a door <laughs> fee to <laughs> get people in. People watching fee. I like that.
0: <laughs> I like that.
1: <laughs> so, uh, but
0: you know, what what makes you unique is very important to your business uh, because it's the it's it is what you market yourself as. So you know, I was talking about advertising earlier, but but the target market is uh, who you're going after. The what makes you unique is exactly what you're going to say. So don't advertise. If you have a hamburger joint, don't say, hey, we got hamburgers that have cheese and pickles on them because everybody has cheese and pickles, right? But if you're the, the hamburger joint that, that you know has the, I don't know, the, the two-fister uh, hamburger, then that might be something that's Or unique. don't
1: say the best hamburger in town because everybody's got Everybody's the best, got that. Right, right. Yeah.
0: Why is it the best hamburger in town? Right,
1: yeah right okay um well listen we're at the end of the uh, show it's gone uh, very quickly we've been listening to uh peter hildebrandt he is the uh he works with score he's a trusted advisor with um, with score and coordinates gwinnett county and they are a uh, advisory arm that's funded partially through the sba um this is an incredible resource um that I don't think people take advantage of. Peter, how do they get in touch with you?
0: Yeah, well, the great part about Score, first of all, is that it's free. And so you can get mentoring for free and there's there really is nothing hidden about it. So if you want to go get mentoring from Score, you go to score.org uh, or if you're in the Atlanta area, atlanta.score.org and you right on there there's a there's a button that'll allow you to get a mentor. You can sign up for an appointment and just show up. So it's great. And we have all the workshops online there. Uh, And we also have a whole bunch of online tools and resources like business plan templates, startup expenses, spreadsheets, uh, cash flow statements, all of that stuff. So it's all available. Just go right on up to the web to score.org.
1: And uh, how would they get in touch with you personally? You want to disclose that? Well,
0: they can find me at peter.hildebrandt at scorevolunteer.org, which is very long. And my my name uh, ends in a DT. And there's no, there's only one R in it. A lot of people want to put two Rs in it. But if you can remember those things, uh, you can do Peter well, let's, let's go with the.
1: I have the. Uh, let's go with the phone number. <laughs> That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yes, they can. They can reach me at uh, 770-540-2402. Okay,
1: and um, uh, Peter, thanks for your time today. I guess uh, to summarize uh, what I what I heard today was. Um, You know, we did talk about the need for planning, the need to have enough money. But I guess one of the most important things that I want to keep coming back to is you've got to build some expertise in what you're going to build your small business on. Yeah. Uh, Avoid the dream trap of trying to buy something that you don't have any experience in because it's something you feel like you want to do. Um, that's where you really, people really get in trouble. And I've seen retirement plans get wasted. It's, uh, sometimes pretty sad. And then you, you hear the story and you go, well, did you know anything about this? No, I just thought it would be something fun to get involved with. Um, case in point there, restaurants and daycares be careful. And I also say about daycares, it's not about the children. It's about the parents. So, um, hint, hint, um, and then the other thing is the, uh, the need to build some uniqueness. Well, how are you going to be different? Um, Peter, I thought, was very explicit about that. And uh, there are a lot of ways to make yourself different. Um, and then lastly, uh, Mike and I talk about this all the time. It is know your customer. Uh, figure out who you're selling to why are they buying from you and why do they like buying from you and that way you can really get a good idea of what you're doing right or what you might be doing wrong in your business so Peter thank you so much for being with us thank you Joe appreciate it okay well again this is Joe Moss brought you uh bringing you on the money brought to you by Embassy National Bank and we're broadcasting in the wonderful international studios of Subaru of Gwinnett Atlanta and um as we say all the time, we'll see you next time, but uh, also let's be real careful out there because there are people out there trying to get you. So talk to you later and have a good, have a good uh, uh, week until we talk to you next time. Thanks.